Well, hello and welcome back to another episode or live stream of the Encouraging Others Through Christ Spiritual Awakening and Deconstruction Journey Community. Cliff Ravenscraft here, joined in the studio today, live with my beautiful wife of 27 years, just celebrated 27 years this Thursday, August 17th. Stephanie, welcome to the studio. Thank you. And also joining us today live online is Tony Rinkenberger. Tony, how are you today? Wonderful. Glad to join you and Stephanie this morning, Cliff. I am super delighted to have you join us. Today's topic is titled Unpacking Beliefs, Spiritual Awakening and Deconstruction Without dividing a family. And Tony, if you don't mind, I'm going to let you kind of just take the reins here. We'll go for, let's just say about 50 minutes or so, and I'll let you set the stage as to why did I invite you to come on to our live stream today? And also, I'm going to let you just interview Stephanie and I, because I I think it'd be better to just hear the questions you have and answer them as we go along. So I'm turning the reins over to you. All right. Thanks, Cliff. I contacted you after listening to several episodes of the most recent EOTC and Cliff Ravenscraft show and about your journey of faith transition. Basically, since the beginning of the pandemic, I believe in twenty uh, early 2020 or mid-2020, I think everybody can go back and listen to 000 episode uh, to find out what that story is, as you've said several times. I've listened to many episodes of another podcast, Mormon Stories Podcast, and that's all about faith transition as well. A lot of families there break up when one of them goes through a faith transition and the other one doesn't follow. And so I thought, wow, this, you know, I followed you and seen your transition over the the past years and wondered, I wonder if... Cliff and Stephanie ever had any issues related to this journey? I know that you began really, I believe it was 2010, when you decided to stop going to the church building. When I heard that, I was like, oh, here's the start. I recognize that because <laughs> I, you know, it was one of the very first things that happened when my faith transition started. So I was like, uh, this will be an interesting journey to, to watch Cliff and Stephanie go through. Since probably many of the listeners uh, have heard your story, Cliff, I thought I'd start with Stephanie. I'm going to ask it a little different way. Stephanie, what in your childhood spiritual development found Cliff attractive back in the day? Can you say that again? What? <laughs> yeah, what? Cliff, um, in his journey, or, you know, in his childhood, yeah. he was always the one that was initiating spirituality. And so I'm sure there was something about him when you met him that attracted you. And there was probably some spiritual conversations that happened around that. And what was, um, what was, what was uh, that, you know, what did he talk about as far as his spiritual journey that attracted you? Okay, I don't know that I don't know that anything about the spiritual journey was was part of my connection or attraction to Cliff because for me he was different. Meeting Cliff, he was different than anybody that was in my circle, anybody that was in my family and 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 so I know that for him that I was involved in 
in a congregation and and had been going to to church and had been having spiritual experiences was an attraction for him but i don't know that i really put any weight in i don't remember putting any weight Mm -hmm. in that for me i guess that it would be that he was willing to continue what i knew was what i was supposed to do and where were what, what were you? What church were you attending, or um, <laughs> what, what was that, that 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 Cliff was looking at and and seeing? At the time, I had been going to congregational gatherings with my aunt and uncle, and we would all pile into their. We being my aunt and uncle and their two daughters, who one is a year older than me and one is a year younger than me. And we all grew up very close. And so we would, um, the five of us would pile in their pickup truck that did not have enough room for five people. We would drive, it was probably a 50 minute drive from, from once they picked me up and I lived probably 10 minutes from them. So, so we took a 50 minute drive to a church in Owenton, Kentucky, and I believe it was Assembly of God at the time that we, and I went to many different kinds of churches with them. I went to Pentecostal, Methodist, Assembly of God, like I made the rounds with them in terms of denominations. You didn't have something that you really grew up with that was, that was consistent. You kind of were a seeker from the beginning then. I don't know. I was... (laughs) So let me tell you, my my parents did not grow up taking me to church every Sunday, Wednesday, you know, Sunday night. That's not something that my parents did with us. I remember very early, I remember getting dressed up and going to Easter with my grandparents, um, my mom's my mom's parents, and um, they attended a Nazarene church. So I had that experience growing up or when I was little. But when I was 11 years, I was 11 or 12 because I'm trying to like put in my mind, like I always said I was 13, but I was younger because if I put together when we moved into our house and like when my bedroom got carpet, like like putting all of these things together, trying to, to piece together a timeline, I was probably 11 or 12. And my cousin, Sarah, invited me to go to this after hours play that her church was putting on in our local mall. So after the mall closed, the congregation was coming in to to witness this play that they were putting on that happened to be called What to Do If You Miss the Rapture. And so I don't know that I ever was in a seeking position. I was just scared out of my wits. From yeah. a very young age. Uh, I recognize that story. So so then it just became, it became, well, this is what they say is right. And, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I just kept doing that with them until I was a teenager and chose a congregation that Cliff chose for us. Yeah. So So you guys got married and started attending church, having kids started, you know, that, that journey. And then you, you got to 2010 who initiated the conversation uh, that said, this isn't working for us anymore. Do you remember who started that conversation? I'm pretty sure Cliff started that conversation. It was, uh, um, he read the book. What was it called? So So you you don't want to go to church church anymore. anymore. Yeah. And so he started that conversation, but it, it was not, 
I don't find it. I didn't find it shocking. I didn't find hell. Sorry, I'm cursing already. <laughs> I I believe in that mindset that I was in. I I tell you that that the this this form that they being Christians have of Satan. They he visited our home more on Sunday mornings than any other time throughout the week. So if you're telling me I can get up on a Sunday morning and I can be relaxed and I don't have to yell at my kids and I'm not, you know, yelling at my husband who's waiting in the car for me and three children to make our way outside, like, yeah, I'm 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 all for that. I, I am totally down for that. And I mean more about my own personal my own personal journey up to that point is that so we got married in 96. And so was it later that year or early in 97? I'm not, I'm not sure when Cliff came and said that he was called to be a pastor and, and my whole, I was, but I'm not called to be a pastor's wife. Like this is, but I came to realize that I was called to be Cliff's wife. And so I needed to be a support and, and a partner with him in whatever that he was doing. And so that was my journey for the next 10, 10, 12 years and on. But traditional Christianity never resonated with me. Ah, okay. Never. I was always going through the motions, doing what people said I was supposed to do. So a lot of times in my own spirit, I didn't feel content or broke because everything I was doing went against what my natural Mm. intuition was telling me to do. And so when Cliff came and said, let's stop going to church, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Sure. Yeah. Hey, hey, what about the kids at the time? Um, did you have any fear as to how the children might think or were they not quite old enough or how did that go? With Megan, I didn't really consider because I always believed that their spiritual journey should be learned from us, not from going to, you know, Sunday school or whatever, like, what we wanted them to know, and this this isn't any any major parenting topic that you want to throw at me, whether it be faith or sex education or what it, it should come from us. What we want them to know and how we want them to process what the world throws at them should come from us as their parents, not from outside sources who are pulling their resources from places that maybe we don't agree with. And so I never I never really considered what it would, how it would impact them. I considered what I had to continue to do to grow their spirit, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. allowing them the room to make their own choices. I'd love to interject a couple of details before you go on with some additional questions, if I can, Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, one of the things that's not included in my overview journey. So if you went back and listened to episode 000, obviously that episode's over two hours long, but still it can't encompass 50 years of my life and my spiritual journey. So one of the things that may be missing from the picture, and I think would be valuable to include here in this conversation, is that when I was getting ready to go to college that summer, I was invited to be a part of that Nazarene church um, and doing the Sunday school class, and then I abandoned them. And so I, I, I may or may not have told that story of when I left that church and completely said, you know what, I'm done, God hates me, God's upset with me, I've failed him, I'm, I've, I'm imperfect, and... I'll just and so I went 
for several years without attending church at all. In my mm. mind, believing that I've lost my relationship with God. C- clearly, looking back, hindsight 2020, never was there a single second of my life where I didn't have that pure, perfect relationship with God. I just didn't have an awareness of it. I wasn't consciously aware of it. So for me, I go off to college and I became I become what appears to be a raging alcoholic my first year in or my first semester in college i literally went to class sober two days i joined a fraternity and i'm like listen i've never gone i've never been the party guy and I, now that i'm free to go do whatever you know it's like and god hates me anyway why don't i just go live this crazy life and so uh and and there are parts of me that's like sometimes people had these amazing testimonies it's like i used to do this and i used to do this. it's like i've always been this good little boy i've always it's like it's like listen i if if i ever come back i didn't i didn't actually have this thought but if i ever come back from god i'm going to have a story to tell <laughs> so i joined i joined a fraternity and um, I started to see that I my drinking was becoming a problem for me because I, I felt like I was turning into something that my my biological dad had experienced. Thankfully, I I just gave that lifestyle up. Started smoking pot in 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 school instead. So I figured like, hey, you know. <laughs> but uh, just to, just to explain, there was a little bit a, a few years of my life where. God was not the first and foremost thought of my of my life, and I was out living a a typical young adult, late teenager life in college, in a fraternity, pursuing all this other stuff. And then I met Stephanie, who just so happens to go to an assembly <laughs> an assembly of God church on the weekends. And one weekend, she invites me to go with her. And I'll tell you what, Tony, it had been it had been at least a year and a half, maybe two more than two years since I had been in a church. Mm-hmm. And I went into this Assembly of God church. And what was going on in my mind is once I walk into this biz- building, I feel the presence of God. And I feel this conviction. I now know and see it for what it is. I had a lot of beliefs in my in my my psychology. My subconscious mind created this experience, and it gave me everything that it had been taught and conditioned to believe. And so I went in and had this experience. Stephanie's up front doing the things that people do in charismatic churches, you know, and 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 laying on the ground is like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. And there's this story, this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, um, you you look like uh, you must be Stephanie's boyfriend. I saw you sitting together. I just want you to know God told me he's got a message for you. You're going to do ministry to tens of thousands of people one day. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you have no idea who you're talking to. God's got the wrong person. And I am the furthest thing of who's God's going to use to do ministry anytime. And and so this was where I was when Stephanie met you, or when, when Stephanie met me. So there was nothing in our early conversations. Mm-hmm. We, by the time she's invited me to go to this church with her for the very first time, we'd already been, I mean, we're, we're like, we're solid in relationship at this point. What? You're shaking your head, Stephanie. We'd been dating like 10 days. Well, did this so, not happen yes, immediately? No. 
We were solid immediately. Yes. yes that's what I'm yes. saying. We're so. I'm just giving context. It wasn't years. It was 10 days. No, it had been years since I'd been in a church. I got that. No, I'm just clarifying for the people. Who, okay. So Stephanie and I. Cliff has the art of exaggeration. I, I have the art of telling a compelling story. Of exaggeration. We were all. What I'm saying is Stephanie and I had already fully been attracted to one another Mm -hmm. and it was before i witnessed her in a church setting and certainly i i was i was not eager to go to a church setting because of my own beliefs at the time and and that you know the church might fall down on my head when i walked in the door Uh, so i just wanted to give that context that, Mm -hmm. that stephanie and i for when we first met all of the conversations leading up to it and then all of the time and we spent some intense time together during those first 10 days and i mean we had an immediate connection and then there was this we started going to this church together for a while and while I've never been fully into that charismatic way, I will say that it it did actually reawaken my desire to pick up that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, how long did we date before we got engaged? April to December. So April. Eight months. Okay, so eight months. Mm-hmm. So we're going to this church for eight months on Sundays. And it's reawakening within me some of my legalistic tendencies. So, and, and, and very legalistic tendencies, like this is the right thing, this is the wrong thing. And finally, it's, you know, Stephanie and I are talking about getting married. And I'm like, listen, if we're going to get married, there's only one way that I would be able to do that. And that is if I get my life right with God. And for me to do that, I believe I must be held accountable. I must do this. I must do this. I'm. It must look this way. And so the only time I've ever been able to be what I feel successfully in alignment with what I feel God thinks I should, how I should be in this world, was when I was attending a weekly Bible study group with young adults. So I think we should lead one. And that's when we started our very first small group Bible study for young adults. Get this, called EOTC. <laughs> started and founded in 1996, the or 1995 or 96, I can't remember. Anyway, the EOTC, Encouraging Others Through Christ Bible Study Group. That's how long EOTC comes back. Uh, the brand persists. <laughs> That it does. That that that's a great um, that's a great story, Cliff. I don't think we've ever heard that one before. So that that's a good context to understand that you you really developed that your spiritual life together after coming back and coming together and kind of from from the foundation and from the ground when you got together. That's great to to hear that and, and understand that. That puts a really good context, I think, on everything else that has gone through. Um, I'd like to kind of go forward a bit. And the next thing that I noticed was when you started following Tony Robbins and then the law of attraction, Mm -hmm. that's when I saw the next major shift in your beliefs and how you uh, approached the world and uh, approached reality, even though you still had some, you know, you, you you incorporated it within your Christian belief system and was able to take those and you 
you, you did that um, that episode, you explained how you do, do that and the verses that you use and all of that. How did you, when Cliff started talking about these, the law of attraction, was that something new to you or um, how did he approach that, that book and, and those, that changing belief and how he was seeing the world and, and, and business and, and that type of thing? So I went with him to, was that in Dallas that we went to Tony Robbins in 2016? Mm-hmm. And, and when he invited me to go to that, it was, was that, was it Ray's suggestion that we go together to have a common language? And so every, so we both came back from that just with a different approach, approach to our daily attitude and, and our emotional state. And so everything that kind of has been learned or introduced since then just kind of flows from that moment. I I don't know if there, I don't, I don't have a conscious memory of Cliff coming and saying, Hey, I read the book of law of attraction or, you know, and, um, it was just, yeah, I don't have like an exact yeah. moment. It, it just kind of made sense out of the flow of everything else that we were doing and adopting and. and the way you were approach, approaching reality, yes. approaching life. Yes. It, it was just like the next logical step right. in that process. Yes. Yeah. That experience at, Unleash the Power Within that Stephanie and I went together, we went into that event with some very naive beliefs about what life and reality is. And knowing that, knowing what I know now, and and I'm pretty sure Stephanie understands this language as well, is that we came out with a much higher level of consciousness, we came out of this, if, if you know the map of consciousness by Dr. David R. Hawkins, mm-hmm. we both went into Unleash the Power Within calibrating below 200 on average in our daily life. Not, that this, not to say we never bumped up above it. We did, like many people do, but we lived on average right below 200. Mm-hmm. And leading right into UPW, I would say we were between 150 to to 200. We we experienced a lot of uh, what is would it be? It would be anger, desire, and pride. Anger, desire, pride. I anger, desire. We we kind of hovered around there, and occasionally we well, actually for me, very frequently, I dipped down to a lot of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. And so that was my life. Mostly, Stephanie was actually quite a little bit. She averaged a bit higher than me before Tony Robbins. Go ahead. Stephanie. I think that I think that I was. What is that? Courage. Courage. Is that, yeah, is that's that a where, where two, that that's is? the two hundred and up. Yeah. Um, I had, and, and this is within the this in within the mindset of of the Christian faith that I was trying to shove myself into for so long. Had a, a major spirit shift in 2012 and Mm. um Mm. and i started breaking up with toxic people and toxic behaviors and so i think i hovered right there in courage for a very long time because i had been i had already spent four years cutting things out Mm -hmm. that weren't serving me and that, that were bringing me down so I, I do think that at that time that we went into tony robbins that i was hovering a little bit higher than 
than Cliff was yep. at that time. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, it, it's mm-hmm. only now, Stephanie, that you bring that up, that I want to state for the record, Stephanie experienced a spiritual awakening uh, eight years before I did. And that was at that retreat that you went to on your own, right, Stephanie? Correct. It was um, yeah. it was a captivating retreat based right. on the book by John and Stacy Eldridge. I had, I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Because in my mind at the time, it was still very much within that, that Christianity mindset. But I'll tell you that now my spirit finally felt whole mm-hmm. and that I could be myself and I could be who I was created to be. And I didn't have to keep trying to shove myself into this box. Yeah. I didn't fit in the box and that was okay. And um, that that I could come home and I was just different. Like yeah, it I, was I, evident. I was just different. Yeah, you, you were. I, I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I, I felt it. I felt it through through the recordings yeah. of of those uh, of, of that uh, when you talked about that experience. It's like. Oh, something happened to Stephanie. And I, and I think that it's very funny because there was no buildup. There was no, there yeah, was right. no slow transition. It was just, I went on top of the mountain and I came down different. Yeah. Um, I, I had a very real spiritual awakening. It was actually one of their other books, Beautiful Outlaw by John Eldridge that introduced me to Jesus as a man. And so he was no longer this benevolent character who was hanging mm-hmm. over my life. He was a man and he struggled with the same things that we struggle with, but he was able to have a relationship with, with God outside of that. And so, I mean, it was a very radical experience for me in that I, I no longer had to conform to, to these constraints that had been, mm-hmm. that I'd been shackled to since I was 11 and scared out of my mind. Cliff, then when she came back and and relayed that had that experience with you, what, what did you think at the time? I mean, you were still. <laughs> well, there there were two different things that were going through, and they were one was an incredible amount of joy for the freedom that Stephanie had found. That's the the biggest thing that I that I experienced. However. For me, I was still so hold beholden to my beliefs about what a wife should be and how what a wife should say and how a wife should act. And and Stephanie no longer held those beliefs anymore. Or well, she never did hold those beliefs, but she no longer felt any desire to pretend. like <laughs> pretend to hold those beliefs. And that I found I, my ego found incredibly frustrating um, in a very positive way. And, and, and what I mean by that is I'm, th- I'm thrilled that it frustrated me because it helped me to deal and become consciously aware. What, why am I so frustrated? What is it about her and what she's doing? That, and, and why is it so important that she say these things and th- that she should speak these, this way in front of this group of people or or in a podcast episode or whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, and you know what? It, and, and I'm thrilled that she remained steadfast in her new way of, of being in the world, her new level of consciousness, because I was shifting through the process. So yeah, it was a powerful thing. It was a powerful it was a powerful example for me to see. Mm-hmm. 
did that challenge or i mean it, it seems like it did challenge some of those beliefs and how long did it take did it take to kind of move those beliefs and um to something different it, it was in it was two it was was it i thought it was june of 2015 when we went to uh tony robbins but it, I, oh, i'm willing I thought it was 16 it, it, it's it's part, it was for no it can't be because in june in 2015 we were in europe Okay, so June of 2016 then. Well, for me, it was it I really suffered a lot during all of these years. I've got this wife who's off the rails. I no longer have she is she won't stay on the leash anymore. Um she is not following no she 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 is not following. and and as far as I'm concerned, it's like, "Wait a second. The, I'm the leader of the house. I mean, I, this is my responsibility." And Stephanie's just going off and being herself and this is not right did that scare you no it didn't scare me but again it i i had if okay it 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 damaged my pride you know Mm -hmm. because you know as a a good husband would have a a tighter rein on his wife is how (laughs) i had i was brought up and so yeah your your wife has no respect for it. and so when Stephanie would speak so freely in a live stream or in a podcast episode I had this fear what are people going to think about me as a husband as a as a man of God as a you know this or that and so it was really more about my I was worried about my own reputation more than anything else mm. I was worried about my reputation what would people know if Cliff is allowing his wife to show up and be that in the world and and she can she's like i don't i don't care what you think i'm just gonna be this well for me at that time for me it was i remember being absolutely astounded by the one phrase i had heard my entire life be yourself (laughs) until you actually are yourself (laughs) and then nobody wanted to deal with you yeah. Yeah. So, but I I will say this though, it was it was that Tony Robbins event. S- Stephanie and I both went. We experienced a different way of seeing the world. We we got out of the we we were taught that we can control our emo- emotional state. That being anxious, being depressed, being fearful, uh, feeling guilt and shame, those are all things we are doing. They're not things that are happening to us. Those are things that we are choosing for ourselves. And if we wanted to, we could choose to feel different. We could choose to experience courage and confidence. And and the greatest thing was the very first night, we're literally looking at burning hot coals that are literally glowing orange, and you feel the heat of those coals in front of you. And we're given this opportunity as we stand there, right there, six or eight feet of coals, and we have the option if we want to, to gently walk across them or not. And that, I will I will tell you that's like, there's no way I can do this. And then the thought is, not only can I do this, I will do this, and I will not be burned. I will go through this. I will be perfectly fine. And I used the tools and techniques. We used the tools and techniques that were taught to us just in the first day to change our focus, to change our 
consciousness to get into an altered higher level of consciousness and in a specific state of mind and being we glided across those coals with no worry no no concern nothing at all and we came off the other side and we were different people life mm-hmm. has never been the same since we there was cliff ravenscraft before the coals and after the coals bc <laughs> cliff bc <laughs> I, that just came to me i love it so let's let, let's uh, move a little further forward now the pandemic starts and you have to suddenly or gradually or naturally as the case may be you start saying, well, this, I need more, or there, there must be more, or I wonder if there is more. Was it the um, uh, autobiography of a yogi that was the first thing that you read, Cliff, that uh, on this new, this uh, new journey during the pandemic that took, took you kind of out of the Christian thought more? So for me, what it was... There was a lot of things going on in the world. There was, first of all, there was the pandemic, which the the propaganda of the amount of fear that was instilled in the global nation, the entire mm-hmm. global community, is astonishing. And I fell for it. I mean, I went all in. I mean, I dropped very low in my level of consciousness. For during the day, during the early days of the pandemic, every, I mean, I watched all two to four hours, every syllable of every word of the, you know, task force talking about it. I listened mm-hmm. to it all. And of course, that that that's bringing in a lot of of low level, fearful energy into my yeah. life. And so I, I, I began to bring all of that in. And it's starting, I'm starting to see all the other stuff. There was the uh, George Floyd thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you you cannot be a good human being unless you say Black Lives Matter. Even if you have other insight and information as to what kind of political organization and where money goes and, and all this other stuff. And I'm like... So it's like every every single little bit of aspect of what I've got going on here is being called into question. Am I conservative? Am I progressive? Am I pro this? Am I pro that? And, you know, do I believe this? Will, you know, do I do all of this stuff? They're saying this. These people are saying that. All of this conspiracy stuff and just everywhere, it just seems like everybody's got opinions about exactly what I should think. And I'm finally just fed up with everyone telling me what I should think. And, and the polarities that go along with that. Yes. It, and, and, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like most of my life, I've been a very polarized person. I'm either mm-hmm. all in or I'm not interested. And one of the things that's shifted for me is that I, I, I've determined, at least for now in my life, that I'm done jumping to conclusions. I, I, I just have an open mind. I may come, my ego persona may come to a belief based upon some recent evidence or information or insight, but 
they're the greater part of who I am recognizes that my ego doesn't have all the information and that it that even with all of this new information and new insight and new evidence still that's from a very limited perspective there may be a ton more that i don't know that could change my opinion even further and so learning to navigate do i have to have a strong opinion on this and i and watching people get angry with me because i don't have a strong opinion yeah. Um, we can even fast forward to, I had a number of people say, Cliff, why don't you have a, I'm, I stand with Ukraine flag on, on Facebook. I said, because I don't stand against the Russians. I, I, you know, they're the people who are driving the tanks for the Russians and the people who are defending their homes in the Ukraine. You know what? They're all human beings who have been convinced to think and do certain things because of propaganda. And they're they're all suffering people who need prayer and support. I support, Um, I support humanity. Mm -hmm. And there was no flag for that on, on, uh, on the thing. And and it's like, so, so I'm not going to say I support this because that would for me indicate that I support them more than I do the the people on the other side they all have families at home they all have wives they all have kids they all have brothers and sisters and moms and dads and stephanie had had you come to this more thoughts of equanimity prior to the pandemic or were you in that same or did you descend into that same fear based mindset um, at the time i don't watch the news ever People ask me all the time, did you see that? No, I didn't. You know, did you know it was going to snow? No, I didn't. I do not. I do not watch the news ever because I don't allow that negativity inside. Um, If you want to go back to the to the, um, you know, Christian mindset of take what what is it? It's um, take every thought captive, take every thought captive. That's something that I actually do. That is a practice that I have. I am very aware of what I allow in. And most of the time I'm aware of what I allow out. But um, (laughs) but very intentional about what I take in and um, and how much of it that I take in. So for me, Cliff was coming and he's like, oh my God, did you see, did you see like that? This is a, they're going to do martial law and like all of this stuff is going to happen. And I'm just like, okay, like I, I'll deal with it when it happens. I don't need to, you know, build a war room. I don't need, you know, to stockpile. Can we still have cans from when Cliff stockpiled because the world was stopping and, you know, we weren't going to be able to get groceries and those are probably expiring now. Anyway, What, what were your concerns for him? At that time, did you did, did you have fear or concerns that he was going to get stuck in that, or how, how did you help out. him? How, how was you, how how did you help him through that, or did you I feel like you let him ramble? Uh, I just I just let him go. I just I just mm-hmm. let him go, and um, I I didn't take a lot of it in. I I it's funny when I talk to Cliff. He's like processing and like finding the useful information. And pretty much as soon as he opens his mouth, I know whether it's useful or not. So I, I, I filter accordingly. And, and that's how I felt a lot about a lot of that. I, I was, you know, I vote, I make my choices, I make my decisions, but I'm still just a human living here underneath whatever they decide to put, you know, I'm going to have to pay my taxes. I'm going to have to deal with the higher gas price. Like, Life is going to keep happening no matter what is going on outside in the world. We're just going to have to adapt and 
mm-hmm. and find a way to, to keep moving. And that really is my mindset and was my mindset through the whole thing. So, you know, when Megan was home for spring break and then they extended it a week because they didn't want everybody coming in. Then we get the email that she has to move out. So we have to go to Bowling Green and get her stuff and bring her back. And like, those were just the actions that we had to, those were just the consequences that we had to deal with of the things that were going on around us. It seems Um, like then you, you, you were more in the flow um, and had less resistance and way before Cliff was in that type of mindset of just going with it, don't resist, don't hold on to these old type beliefs. You were there a lot quicker than Cliff did. I think I was born there. And <laughs> and, and a lot of things that happened to me up until 2012 were like putting me in front of a TV with flashes of images trying to manipulate my mind in a certain way. And I fought against it the whole time until mm-hmm. I learned that it was okay to be the way that I am. So Cliff, it seems like Stephanie was your guru for a lo- for a long time. She absolutely was, absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. She was definitely she had experienced this way before I did, and I got a taste of it starting in July of 2019. This was before the pandemic, and I was experiencing a lot of peace, love, and joy, and every and and mm-hmm. just like ah, you know what I. I'm just going to go with the flow. I don't need to pursue all of this ego-driven stuff with this big conference with tens of thousands of people. If it happens one day, it happens, but it's going to happen in spite of the fact that I'm no longer going to chase it for my own ego-driven pursuits or whatever. Uh, So so I have this peace, love, and joy, and it lasts all the way up until the pandemic. But the pandemic brought to me this opportunity to be aware of my ego-conditioning. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, in a way, the, the, the conspiracy theories and everything I got caught up in, all of the fear, in a way that was what some might call the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, let me just show you how deep down a hole you can go with this ego attached persona, this this absolute belief that this is who you are. This is the, you are a human and nothing more. This and, and everything is what you believe and experience and feel. And dude, it it got really bad. And then what happened is when they shut down the gyms, that's shifted everything. Because at that point, I would I had had some incredible. I had lost over a hundred pounds of body fat, fat, put on twenty pounds of muscle mass. I had since twenty fourteen told people I'm going to work out six days a week, every week for the rest of my life. I was working out two to three hours a day at the gym. I mean, this was my identity and and my ego pride persona was just like all in on this and they shut the gym down. Now, sure, I have a home gym. I've got I've got more than twenty thousand dollars worth of gym equipment in my home, but that wasn't my routine. My routine Mm -hmm. is I go to the gym and that they said, Cliff, you can't go anymore. You're not you can't go there. And I'm like, well, if I don't go there, then who am I? And that and and that question, who am I, was so much more powerful than I ever realized. Who am I? And mm-hmm. and and that's when um, Yogananda's message, which by the way I had already been reading, so I started this and started reading that I think in August of 2020. Uh, but 
during this time frame is when I was reading it. So I was actually starting to read his book and how I was led to that, I think, is a divine thing. There's so mm-hmm. many synchronistic ways that I was led to that book at that exact moment in time. But I started reading that while I was at the gym, going to the gym every day. And then they shut down the gym, and then I'm sitting here reading the rest of it as I'm, you know, no longer able to go to the gym. And just the self-inquiry, who am I? You know, who who is it? Though, you know, it's like I used to feel like, oh my gosh, I am so angry right now. To where it's like, well, wait a second, who's aware of being angry? Uh, and and I realize it's like, wait a second, I am not so angry. I am aware that I that within my body there is a sensation of anger within it. Well, who's aware of that? And who am I if I if if I'm not angry and I'm not my body? Who's the one who's aware of my body? Who's yeah. the one who's the one asking this question? And who's the one who's aware that I'm asking this question? And 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 all of a sudden over time it began to bring about the self-realization that Yogananda talks about. And that's been one of the uh, big questions that I've been asking as well, and uh, recently got my first tattoo that says, I am. Nice. Dot, dot, dot. Like yeah, so because that's a constant reminder of I, I can't hold on to an identity. It, it, it's just not, not there, right? <laughs> it's it's complete, always changing. So what, what are the last things um, – or next things that I'd like to talk about is the kids. How are, how have they taken the journey, learned the different belief changes or taken the belief changes with you or done their own thing? I imagine with, with a mother like Stephanie, they're, they're very, they're very independent and free thinkers. Um, but how, how have they kind of come along with you, especially after, you know, the, the huge change um, at Tony Robbins and, and, uh, um, you know, kind of dealt with your, your transitions um, through the, these past years. Stephanie, why don't you answer that question? Okay. Um, I think it's been different for all of them. Megan, being the oldest, experienced the congregational gathering the longest, the, the most, and so has has had influences throughout her, like her senior year, or no, it wasn't. I think she was a freshman in high school. She wanted to start going to church. So I went to a local church with her for several months before she decided that she, you know, Every time she was there, they asked her to be a member and she didn't want to be a member. And so she stopped going. And um, while she was in college, she tried several different, several different congregational gatherings because her friends are very much part of that Christian world. And so Mm -hmm. she would go with them when they asked. And she was part of the CSF, the Christian Student Student Fellowship. Yep. And had had some really great experiences there, had some really great experiences there. But now a year and a, 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 you know, almost a year and a half out of out of college, congregational gathering is not part of her life. I think that she has a belief in something bigger than her, but I don't know that she is buying into the traditional Christian. Mm -hmm. And I know that based on conversations that we have. 
for Matthew, Matthew is a special creature in that he is more laid back than I am. He really doesn't give a flip about what anybody else thinks of him. And he is just living his life to his best. And that is and has always been good enough for him. When he was, it was the summer between his junior and senior year. So right before he was a senior in high school, um, Cliff took Megan and Matthew to Tony Robbins. I couldn't go that summer because I was in my sister's wedding. But coming back, so he would have been 16 at the time because he has an early birthday. So coming back and going into his senior year, um, he had that same language. He had that same knowledge that he's responsible for. I mean, we had been saying it for the two years prior, but now he has taken it in and he has learned it. And I remember... I think it was for his 17th birthday. I picked him up from, um, I picked him up from school and we went out to breakfast and we're just sitting. And so he's fresh off the UPW 17 years old. And he's like, mom, I don't need things to make me happy. Like I can just choose to be happy. And so, and so that is very much Matthew's that, that is, that is Matthew's way of living. He understands that he's in control of his emotions. Megan and I had a conversation the other day about Matthew and um and his partner Bella that they don't fight like they're both so laid back they they have disagreements but they figure it out and they mm-hmm. and they move on they don't fight and they don't bicker and and well they might bicker but they they don't have fights and they don't argue a lot um because they're both just very laid back people but for McKenna McKenna we would have left congregational gathering when she was 6 so she doesn't have a big memory knowledge of of that part of our life and then we have been different her whole life but also for mckenna she this isn't something we we talk about a lot publicly but mckenna is on the spectrum and so her mind works in different ways than what society would call average (laughs) Mm -hmm. so she she doesn't buy into christianity at all and never has. And she's okay with that. So when Cliff started exploring other other belief systems and other what people would call religions, um, she was fascinated by that. And that I think that once her mind or once her spirit decides to pick up on something, she's going to run with that. Mm-hmm. And yep. And we're going to and we will see her soar because mm-hmm. anything that her mind decides that it's time to do she does it's all in like she's all in and there is Mm -hmm. no other way but right now i'm i'm seeing a lot of of the propaganda and the culture influencing her because Mm -hmm. of her age and now she's in college and so Mm -hmm. so it'll be some time before we see that from her i think but when when her spirit tells her it's time it it will we'll we'll, we'll be amazed it's it's interesting because listening to family from the heart back in those days when McKenna was younger, my wife is a family therapist in private practice and she specializes in gifted kids and those on the spectrum. And when you started describing some of the things of that McKenna would do and say, and what you were experiencing with her is like, aha, uh-huh, she is one of those special ones. I think I knew, I think I knew when McKenna was like five, Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually but, when it shows up. Yeah. Right. But, but we didn't want her labeled. I didn't want her taking, taken out of mainstream um, mm-hmm. classrooms. I didn't want her. I wanted her to learn how 
to fit into the world, but be special mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we've done that. So it wasn't yeah. until she asked us, she asked us when she was 17, if she could, if she could look into getting a, dino, a diagnosis so that she understood why mm-hmm. she does things the way that she does. Right. So it wasn't until that she self-awareness. asked. That, yep. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. As other couples are and families are navigating faith transitions, is there a message that you'd like to give them uh, the major learnings or the ma- you know a, a major uh, thing that helped you navigate it other than, you know, just, <laughs> just go with the flow, just go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that might help them that, you know, w- where they might, there might be some conflict there and, and somebody's not moving as along as, as quickly as the other one might be. Stephanie, I'll let you go first and then I'll share some thoughts. Mine would be to trust your spirit. I think that a lot of, uh, especially in, in a traditional Christian world, you're expected to trust all of these outside sources and all of these magical spiritual beings, <laughs> but you're never taught to trust yourself. You're never taught to listen to your spirit and and to listen to what to what is happening inside. And so mine is, is listen to, listen to your spirit. You know, I tell my kids, go with your gut, you know, listen to your intuition. Like they're, they're all the same. Learn to listen to your spirit and what your spirit is asking of you and telling you. Mm-hmm. That's mine. Mine would be, to, I would encourage anybody who's going through this process and you're finding conflict in your relationships with those that you love, I would encourage reading the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I would encourage you to do is master your understanding of the chapter called The Dream of the Planet. And if you could understand that anybody who is not as far along as you or there's you know you feel like they're stuck in some sort of you know behind you know behind the times way of thinking or seeing the world or experiencing the world and you've got it all figured out just recognize that the dream of the planet is a strong thing and we all have our own dreams we all have our own agreements that we made and we all have our own journey to go through in life so that's the first thing is to understand that Really, everyone is doing the best they can with what they have been given to work with as far as the the agreements that have been made. So the first thing is to understand and appreciate their world. The second one would be to not judge them for what they currently believe, what how they perceive the world. For especially if you are the one who is the spiritually awakened, deconstructing person please understand that you didn't choose to awaken spiritually or deconstruct because somebody beat you over the head until finally you did it. It came from within and it came in the perfect time at the perfect spot in your life for you. And we're all Mm -hmm. on this spiritual journey, uh, not together in the same way, but we're each having our own spiritual journey. And that's going to be individualized. And so give a lot of patience, a lot of grace, mm-hmm. and a lot of love. And, and if you're truly on a spiritual awakening journey, you'll know that by the fruit of this journey, which is grace, peace, acceptance, 
equanimity and allow yourself to be aware of anything, any frustrations that are there, any conflict that's coming up from within. And the best thing that you could do is to understand what levels of consciousness are and to be aware that anything that's triggered into your desire to force that other person to see things the way you see them is just yet another thing that you might want to unravel within yourself. So that just, just recognize that anything that you feel as conflict is not because of what your spouse or your mom or your brother or sister is doing or saying. It's because of what you believe and perceive about how they ought to be thinking about you. And so it is all inside of yourself. And then the other thing is don't take anything personally and don't make any assumptions. Be impeccable with your word and uh, do the best you can. Read the book, The Four Agreements. I think more than anything, this one book, it's a, the audio book is two and a half hours. In fact, if you consistently struggle with this, I encourage you just to get the audio book and listen to that two and a half hour audio book once a month, every month for 12 months until it <laughs> finally sinks in. Yeah. I would um, add to what Cliff said is is that you can love people where they're at. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't have to be where you are or where you think they they should be. You can just love people where they're at and continue on your own journey. You don't have mm-hmm. to force them to follow your yeah, yeah, I didn't force Cliff to follow anything. I came back in 2012 and I figured, well, if I said that, okay, I'm not called to be a pastor's wife, but I'm called to be Cliff's wife, then surely now he's going to pick up and, and say that, you know, he chose to be my husband, whether I am, you know, the, the cookie cutter Christian little wife that he thinks I should be, or I am my actual self. Like he, he made this decision. And so I just had to trust in that. I didn't force him to, to, mm-hmm. you know, like he said, it was eight years. It, it, mm-hmm. it, there was an eight year difference and, you know, we made life work. It, it wasn't, it, it wasn't. And it wasn't a bad a eight struggle. years. It wasn't, it wasn't a, bad a bad eight, eight years. years. No, mm-hmm. it, absolutely. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I like to say is, is that beliefs may change, but there's usually a set of values that you both share that you've built over the years. And when somebody's beliefs change, those values don't necessarily change. And, and if you, if you take an inventory of your values and your shared values, maybe you take personal values and and write them down and then you get together and you see how many of those values um, are still shared. Those you can use as a basis of your family and your relationship. And you don't have to base it on the beliefs that that may come and go over the years, but those values seem to stick and seem to stay. And you can really keep that foundation going based on those shared values. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I just want to say to anybody who's tuning into this and you're listening, Stephanie and I are both available for one-on-one coaching 
if anybody is out there and you're you're struggling in a relationship because of your spiritual journey and and how it's conflicting in your relationships maybe with a with a spouse or with your children or with your parents or anybody else that's in your life and if you need somebody who can understand in the way that you're hearing us understand this Stephanie and I would love to extend an opportunity for you to reach out you can email Stephanie I need to get her email fixed for the stephanieravenscraft.com but Stephanie email is stephanie at ravenscraft.org o-r-g so her email is stephanie at ravenscraft.org and my email address is cliff at cliffravenscraft.com so you could email either one of us and say I'd love to take you up on a coaching opportunity to chat about what's going on with my situation and we'd love to encourage you absolutely well that that uh, those are the questions that I had for you guys well, Tony, thank you so much thank for you. this. We're thrilled that you brought up this topic. A lot of people, several other people have asked, uh, Cliff, what does Stephanie think about all of this <laughs> change in your world? And it's like, Steph- Stephanie's just like, you know, you do you, Cliff. And yeah, it's like, <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> you know, I, I worked with a new age spiritual coach and I came back and I said, let me tell you about my trip to the planet Nibiru. <laughs> and she's like, Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like this. And, and yeah, I mean, and what I love about it is Stephanie hasn't judged me. There's been some out there experiences that I've had and, and that I've, you know, d- you know, things that I've done in my, in my pursuits. And she's like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. And she's always been willing to, to listen. And I, I don't feel any judgment from her about those things. It, it's, and it's not necessarily like, I, I agree with that. And, but there are many things she's like, Oh, wow, that sounds very interesting. I'd like to learn more about that. And, yeah. and so we're just exploring. And, and, and the way I see my relationship with Stephanie is we are two divine spiritual beings here having human experiences. We're each learning more and more about what excites us and what we want to create in the world and what we're interested in and what we're looking into. And we come together and share notes about the things that we're learning and exploring. And we grow from each of those. Some of the things each of us share resonates. Some of it doesn't resonate. But you know what? We're, we're in this as partners through life. And we're just growing together in that way, but not growing as in, in the same way in all areas, nor do we desire to. We love the uniqueness of each of us that we bring to the table. And being open to each other's journey and being fascinated about each other's journey along the way and being curious about that. Yeah. And Tony, real quickly, if people want to learn more about you, if they're interested, would you like that? And and if so, where would they go? Sure. Uh, my website is guymystic.com. I will do coaching as well around faith transitions if anybody's interested. I'm developing a course as well around it that I hope to have available this fall sometime. So there's a place to sign up and get notified when that course comes out. Awesome. So that, that's where you can contact me and get a hold of me. Guymystic.com. I'll put links to that in the yeah. show notes. Alrighty. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Encouraging Others Through Christ. If you would like to participate in live conversations, if you'd like to learn about some of the online gatherings that we host for those on a speech, spiritual awakening and deconstruction journey, feel free to go to awakening.cliffravenscraft.com. Again, that's awakening 
www.cliffravenscraft.com. You will get notified of all of the gatherings we have for those who are on a spiritual awakening and deconstruction journey. We will have many of these virtual online experiences where you can come and participate with us. We're also going to be hosting live in-person events as well. So again, make sure that you sign up at awakening.cliffravenscraft.com. I'll put a link to that also in the show notes. Until next time, my friends, we encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and